Hello everyone and welcome to Supermarketers, a brand new podcast from me, Sai Ram Krishna. I lead marketing at Atomic Work, a startup trying to build the future of employee experience. I also write a marketing newsletter called the CMO Journal at thecmojournal.com. Earlier, I have worked with some of India's top startups like Freshworks and Bingify. I also had a stint at Axel, one of India's and the world's largest VC firms. Why am I here though, talking to you? Because I have been writing the CMO Journal for the last three years and I would always wonder how other marketers were thinking about and building their careers. This is fascinating to me. How we think about what we do, where we want to go and how we want to get there. So I thought I'll just ask them. And so that's what Supermarketers is. I am going to talk to some of the best marketers in the country about how they came to be marketers, what drives them and how they think about their careers. Basically informal, free-ranging and fun conversations. So that's it. Welcome again to Supermarketers. Before we get to the conversation, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a highly rated social media management tool. From scheduling to performance to collaboration to content curation and more, Social Pilot has you covered. If you're looking for a great tool to manage your social media, look no further. And the team at Social Pilot have also been kind enough to send out a great offer, especially for supermarketers. If you've been looking for a tool to manage your social media, go try Social Pilot and use the code SUPER30 which will give you a 100% discount for a month. And that works across all plans. So go ahead, use it. That's a month completely free, courtesy Supermarketers. The code, I repeat, is SUPER30. And with that, we are off to episode 2. With my namesake, Sai Ganesh. Sai led Brandon Dunzo until about this time last year, when he quit and started working on a couple of his own projects, which we will speak about on the podcast. He previously led growth and marketing for Zomato Gold, And even earlier, his career came through some more traditional setups, which again we speak about. I have been a big, big fan of Sai and his work at Zomato and Danzo, where he built his reputation and became known as a great creative and a leader, things which don't naturally go together. His creatives and viral campaigns have made almost every marketer I know turn around and say that I wish I had come up with that. I certainly looked at his work with Envy. How is it possible to deliver that kind of creative work over and over again, I thought. So I asked him that too. But mainly we also run through his career, his inspiration and ideas. All the things that make him a supermarketer. So let's go. Hello Sai, welcome to Supermarketers. Thank you for making it to office first. For our listeners, uh, we are recording from the Atomic Work office. And Sai has been very gracious to come to office on Sunday afternoon. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I wanted to start with something very, very, this was the core of something I thought about when I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to ask people how they got into marketing, like, and how they thought about it. So let's just start off with that question. Like, how did you get into marketing? What made you want to be a marketer? I did my schooling in Frank Henry Public School. And I think somewhere around 10th, I knew I didn't want to study engineering. So I didn't know I wanted to do marketing. I knew what I didn't want to do, which is to do engineering. So I think it was in 11th and 12th when I did commerce or some sort of taste of marketing. And then in my graduation, which was in BBM, we had a specialization in marketing and where we sort of experienced Kotler, right? Like the, we had a professor called, I think his name was Barnabas. He used to teach us marketing. And I think when he's, you know, a lot of fundamentals from Philip Kotler, I think it was also the time, 2000. 
then become like an assistant brand manager then go into brand management and all mm-hmm. of that and mm-hmm. I thought that hey it's not bad for me to try this out like it seems like there is a tough part but it is going to be interesting in the long run because the most people i saw who were great marketers had been doing it for many years mm-hmm. it doesn't there's no overnight success mm-hmm. success mm-hmm. Such, right? mm-hmm. so yeah i think when i spoke to these people and then we had a like i was in christ college uh, doing my graduation and then we had a few companies like asian paints tvs motors coming to campus and recruiting and they sort of you know showed these large big picture ambitions of saying we'll become this brand and that brand so and when i spoke to others i, I realized these are also good companies to have you know your fundamentals in marketing strengthened so yeah that's where i started my journey nice and like sales did you do sales yes so my first job uh, out of campus was in sales in tvs motors where i had to go and sell loyalty programs in nagpur uh, pune all of that nice and then that was like the training period and then finally i got placed in bijapur in north mm. karnataka mm. handling sales for that region so bijapur bidar gulbarga nice but tvs is also like like i know because i like i family in tvs tvs is also sort of like a lifer organization right yes a lot of people just stay there throughout yeah. like did you like also because i think you worked on some very important campaigns tvs sport i remember yeah. I think the star one was where Virat and Dhoni were there. Yes. The sport was also like Virat. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sport was the brand that I managed many years later. Mm. But TVS as a company is very interesting because mm. I think most people think of it like a family run yeah. business. Yeah. Like you said most of them are lifers. In fact the joke in the factory uh, in Hosur is that people speak two languages, one is Tamil and the other is Japanese, right? Like everything <laughs> is, you know, Japanese systems. Mm. Like I learned that terms like kaizen and all for the mm. first mm. time uh, from shop floor guys. But I think it's also the place where I realized that even in a Tamil company that's mostly speaking you know very uh, mostly very traditional in nature mm. the marketing team was always the coolest team mm-hmm. like it was a time when 
you know, TVS Scooty was a big, big brand. Mm-hmm. TVS Victor had yes. already been launched oh, two yes. years ago. And I realized that the marketing team was sort of changing the culture. It was a little more forward-looking than the rest of the company. So, and at that time, I remember in when I was in sales, the person who was managing Star City was this guy called Ramki, mm-hmm. who's now a big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know Ramki. Yeah, 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 I know Ramki. He went yes, to Coffee yes, Day yes, and yes. Uh, now I think he... I mean, I know of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know of him, right? Yeah. He's, he's quite a uh, famous name. He think he left, led IMRB research for a long time. Yeah. So, I think we're all enamored by people who are really good at their work and if they're if you're surrounded by them, right? And I think I was lucky to, you know, be around Ramki when he was launching Star City. I could see him, you know, in dealer conferences, how he's selling the product mm-hmm. because it's a new product right? mm-hmm. and uh, nobody gets as excited as much as the brand manager. But to him to work with like dealers, salespeople, motivate them, speak their language, mm-hmm. it was really inspiring. I, I mean, this is a segue. This is not... Yeah. Uh, but then... You were in a very important tubular organization, manufacturer, as well as advertiser in a time where India was buying a lot of two-wheelers. Yeah. The shift yes. from scooters to motorcycles had happened. Yes. I know this again because, again, I'm old. Like, my father had a Chetak. Yes. And then it shifted. All of us had, like, motorcycles. And then you were competing also against not just a resurgent market, but also one other Madras company, which was resurgent in those years. Royal Enfield was coming back. Yes. Dramatically. Yes. Now, I'm also like this because I'm like a Royal Enfield, like sort of a funeral. Like, yeah. uh, how did you see, like, was there, was there conversations with the company? Not much. Okay. Because what I realized in my first year of work only that what we see in the cities is very different from what, like, people keep saying Absolute, India nice, and Bharat nice, and all, right? Nice, nice. And when I joined the company, I realized that most categories in India have this very flat, broad-based pyramid. Mm. Like, the mm. top is just like a needle, mm. but mm. the rest of it is, you know, completely flat. So, in automobiles, mm. in a category of, at that time, I think there were a total of two, 12 lakh two-wheelers being sold every month. Enfield would be less than 3,000. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, the biggest uh, brand at that time was Hero Honda Splendor. Splendor. Uh, right? Followed by Bajaj CT100 or, you know, other such sort of what was called economy segment mm-hmm, vehicles. Mm-hmm. Right? So, then I realized that, hey, even, like, I remember during that time, 2005 or six, Bajaj had launched this Avengers ad. Not Avengers. Um, well, Avenger. Avenger. Right? Feel like God. I feel like God. Yeah. Like, everybody's talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. It's the sexiest ad that has Absolutely come Absolutely amazing. So, it's like... It's like the male sort of like wet dream yes. of ads. It's yes. like you take a motorcycle, you're in Ladakh, you have no care in the world and you feel like God. It was yes. brilliant. It was outstanding. It. Yeah, yeah. And we were all excited about it. And then in the month end, I'm looking at the numbers and they've sold like 3,000. <laughs> right? And which is nothing. Yeah. Like moped sell a lakh. Absolutely. Month, right? Absolutely. So then I realized that, hey, what we see in metros or cities and shopping malls isn't necessarily true for the rest of the country. And this is true for most categories, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was my big realization in TVS about how important these mass segment uh, boring categories as we may call it but they are high in volume and mm. they have a large mm. reach like and when you were working in these ads TVS, these were very cool ads because I remember them yeah. now were the learnings from there that like came on to your software a year later definitely I, I think uh, one of the things that TVS did was one teach me the fundamentals of consumer research like even in my sales uh, stint right like we didn't do ads the head office would do their mm. ads and we would get, you know, flyers to do mm. in Bijapur or Gadak and all of that, mm. right? And then the idea is that how obsessed are you with your consumer? Like I know mm. Jeff Bezos talks about customer obsession, mm. but it is a real thing, right? Like, mm. you know, in Bijapur, who your customer is? Your customer is a farmer, right? Whose mm. income comes in at certain points of time. That is, and for, or for a certain carpenter or, a, you know, plumber for whom the two-wheeler is a way to, you know, cross across cities mm. and, you know, do provide their services. So, 
that understanding of you know who the consumer is what is their need that you're because they don't care so much about style like in a city mm-hmm. where in a city mm-hmm. like bangalore you care about you know looks and how big the tank is and so on so i think that fundamental idea of you know being obsessed with the consumer started with tvs the other thing about tvs i think very practically speaking is i think i learned what not to do because in a large company like this you see a lot of wrong mm. things like i always joke that you know i saw many michael scotts in my life in that time mm. you know how to treat agencies how to you know just worry about flashy advertising and not necessarily about what actually makes a difference so i think tvs definitely taught me fundamental but it also taught me not what not to do as mm. well mm. makes sense makes sense and then from tvs where to so i did 2 years of sales in tvs and i had sort of this map mapped out journey for me saying i'll do two years of sales i'll do mba and i'll become you know brand manager mm-hmm. didn't happen i didn't get into any b school so then i had one more year to kill so i worked in advertising mm-hmm. i thought that let's try and work on the other side so i joined where were you you were in ba- bangalore, bangalore in, in okay. mccann erickson mm-hmm. uh, that time it was called mccann erickson today it's just called mccann mm-hmm. and i was managing this uh, working on this brand called itc ashirwan mm-hmm. which is atta salt mm-hmm. and spices very mm-hmm. sexy categories mm-hmm. it was a very interesting experience i think it taught me that i don't want to be in advertising uh, <laughs> i ran away in 6 months because it was client servicing right mm. and client servicing is sort of this project manager role who stuck between the mm. creative people and the client who takes mm. the call mm. so but it's a fun experience i think um, i saw what itc looked at brand management mm. like the way they sort they do a lot of research mm. like if you speak to anybody today as well there are campaigns which are under research for 2 years Oof, like okay. they've written a script but mm. they're just researching and researching and researching mm. and i think it comes from a tobacco kind of a setup where everything is uh, you know vetted mm. with the consumer so that was an interesting experience uh, so i think one tv commercial shoot which was mm. like the glamorous part of mm. any advertising thing but uh, most of my life in mccann i spent on just creating packaging designs for ashirwad atta mm. which is uh, very cool no but then like i remember atta wars yeah pillsbury yes Ashirwad. There was one more. So the uh, biggest brand in North India at that time was Shik- Shakti Bhog. Okay, unaware. Uh, yeah, so Smriti Rani, yeah. I think used to be the brand ambassador. Okay. Ashirwad had gotten this Tamil actress called Sneha. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Right, and she became the face of the brand. Pillsbury again was a very niche mm. sort of an MNC, but mostly competing against unorganized market. Mm. Right. So yeah. Oh yes, yes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my uh, you know that's my city boy talking. Yeah. You. it's true like even like even down in pondicherry like it's not you don't go say ashirwad or pillsbury you say atta and you get yes. atta in a bag yes makes sense makes sense okay so now you've done actually the major part of what you said you had to do when you started you know to go to uh, when you started talking to your professor like you had to do sales yes you've done that yeah. now you have like you've had your taste of advertising now where are you so then i was in india mm. i went to i am indore spent mm. two years there and i think there with the network and everything i was really excited to do something different in fact i was telling somebody yesterday that you know at that time i remember sending out surveys to my batchmates of thinking of something starting something like what madow marketing is today right mm-hmm. which is this curation of mm-hmm. you know marketing insights mm-hmm. case studies campaigns and all of that didn't happen but i think just that space to you know think about such things everybody mm. was you know looking at starting up and all of that so that was a great experience for two years mm. during that time also met people from other colleges you know participated in usual marketing activities all of that did an internship in mahindra and mahindra mm. which was very cool again two wheelers because i had done two wheelers there then realized this is not where i want to be and i told myself that i won't come back to two wheelers eventually i did 
but yeah that was the experience in internship and then after graduation i got placed in agrotech foods okay uh, i'm going to stop you right there yes. because i have like two questions yes. one before we go to agrotech yeah. one is that do you think that that's the correct path now for a young marketer to take like like i still think sales is very important like i was handicapped in my career without like clear cut sales experience very early i had to like i couldn't do demos for a while even though i was good at marketing but then it took me a little bit of time to know that to to understand also that like i'm talking about software like selling it to people is how you learn the bulk of anything yes. you ever learn in you know in business is that a is that as important today as it was then and how how should like you know folks go about it the second question is that you worked for a while and then went to iim indore it's it's a perennial question like young people ask like should i just directly go to do my mba and should i work and do my mba i presume obviously that with the experience that you had your mba was doubly powerful i enviate because i went directly to my mba so like these these two questions are asked so i did my mba in 2008 and 10 we are sitting down 2023 mm. i think mba is not that important mm. as it was earlier i think today if you Agreed. work in a startup in the early days like it'll give you access to the same kind of roles that marketing or an mba would otherwise do marketing for me honestly is like a badge mm. or a you know corporate caste system where you know if you're an mba you'll get chances to work at the png or mckinsey or the world otherwise you won't get which is i think uh, not right mm. but uh, coming back to the idea of sales i think yes and no i, I think the skills required for sales right are very different from what are required for let's say becoming a marketer sure at the same time i think as a marketer you need to understand the operational integrities very well like you have to work on ground so for example if you're working at a startup and you're you know working in demand generation for a particular city mm. that will help you really well to become a marketer in the future but being in sales which has been the traditional path i don't think it necessarily has that kind of value mm. addition that it can do today because eventually you want to be able to move up the career path as fast as possible mm. right anybody can spend yeah. you know 10 years in sales and eventually become a vp of marketing or a head mm. of brand and all of that but the idea is how do we get faster i don't think you have to do sales necessarily but definitely demand generation uh, operations crm customer support all of these things i think really help you become a better marketer absolutely and the mba question but... mba i think the relevance is a lot less like i did mba largely because it would give me like an uh, you know access pass to jobs companies otherwise they wouldn't today that relevance of an mba tag is a lot less versus having worked for the right company agreed like okay. if i see a 3 years experience guy who's worked in uber and a big basket versus somebody who's just you know graduated from symbiosis or even i am calcutta i would choose the first person over there i think that's great because i think that's the sharpest answer that you know we can give and i'm glad that you have a good point on that i yeah more or less agree like i don't think an mba is very critical if you're going to do i think i also also speaking to somebody who was just asking me this no the answer was that no don't do your mba you already have like four years experience you know most of this stuff uh, maybe ask for another role or get like say two months you're going to go do sales or something and learn one more yeah. thing and then figure out what you want to do because you already have the skills it's not necessary to have to think about it and then yes like i definitely think that the starting point of all of this should be to know what you actually want to do exactly as you said in the beginning i agree so, uh, yeah, yeah. spot on i um, think we're also living in the time when like i was talking to this 18 year old guy okay? mm. he's willingly confidently dropping out of college mm, mm, mm. and he's got three offers like i was the fourth offer i was giving him an mm. offer and he's like no i already have multiple other offers and then i was shocked right? yeah. like we grown up hearing about steve jobs dropping out but mm. in india it is not a yeah 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 never nobody ever looked at saying that i'll drop out of college Absolutely. proudly 
So this generation definitely a lot more confident. Oh, oh, oh I am very surprised and I am very happy about these young people who are so confident about what they yeah. want to do. Like more, more power to them. I think also the fact that we were not very sure of these things because the pathways were not very yes. clear. Yes. For young people now, if the path like the pathways are very clear, and if the path is not clear, they go make them. Yes. And like they reach out very confidently. They you know you'll you'll get a you'll get a straight shooting like mail. I have these three ideas. I need exactly. five minutes. I want to. I want to ask you what I think I should do of these three. Absolutely. He's not asking me my viewpoint or yes. like some open-ended question. He's asking. I know what I want to do of these three, which is the best idea. That's it. I'm like great. Okay, that I can help you. So I think that one, as I said, the fact that the pathways are so clear and that these opportunities lie so clearly in front of them is just great. If you're a young person now and you are still, con- that's also okay. Like being yes. confused is not a problem. I also don't want young people to, and this is something that I uh, say when I go back to college and they invite me back, huh. is that don't like get, don't start fretting, you know, when yes. you're like 22, 23, oh, oh man, I don't know what to do. What should I do? This guy knows, this girl knows. It's okay. Like exactly. some people figure it out immediately. Some people figure it out late, I guess. Yeah. And I think a lot of them also, like you said, they make their own paths. Mm. Right? They try this out like when I was explaining my placement also, they came to campus. Mm. Like we're all used to this companies yes. coming to us and saying, you know, these yes. are the jobs and we'll apply. Now, youngsters are just, you know, opening Absolutely. up LinkedIn, cold mailing, cold Absolutely. DMing, suggesting brand strategy or whatever it is, right? And taking the job. And like one of the things I was telling, you know, my juniors, they have, there, there are a couple of interns who are from uh, mine and Sadna's college. They're here and the first thing I told them is don't wait for anything. Yeah. Like if you think that this is a suggestion that you can make, don't think that... Uh, I Alex has been here before he knows these things I shouldn't say yes, don't sir. worry what have you to lose yep. if it's a bad idea I'll tell you it's a bad idea yes. there's nothing wrong in it but if it's a great idea I don't know what perspective you're coming yep. from I simply don't have the experience that you have like completely concur you're, you're there now MBA is done yes and you've had fun you're in agrotech yes where do you go from there so agrotech again was uh, because of lack of choice like out of an MBA you don't get a marketing role you have to do again the you know grueling sort of one year of sales so FMCG has always been like this you know uh, <laughs> privileged uh, group where you know FMCG marketing karoge, you can do anything yeah, in yeah, the yeah, world yeah. Right? so agrotech basically is the company that does sundrop oil and mm. act to popcorn so I said let's try this out it is a fun stint sundrop the old uh, yes at ITC, it used yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The old Jalebi. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. I'm, 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 I'm yeah, still yeah. on with my ad game. Okay. So, uh, again, I think the ads and the products were very interesting. So, I was posted in Gohati, so managing wow, okay. yeah, Northeast region. Completely new world, never been to that part of the world. I also realized for the first time that people in different parts of this country are different in every way. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the willingness to work, yeah. you know, like in Karnataka, like I grew up in North Karnataka where people use abusive language very frequently. Mm. And it's almost like a sweetish mm. way yeah. of saying, yeah. you know, if someone is even calling an illegitimate child, it is in a, you know, sweet way. Yeah. But in the East, especially in Assam and all of these places, it's a very different culture, right? Mm. People are a lot more sensitive. They mm. don't listen to pressure. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I think daylight uh, stops at 5 o'clock or 4.30 mm-hmm. in the evening, right? So, a completely new world, new food, all of that. And I enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. think um, it was tough doing sales, you know, constantly mm-hmm. on the streets, selling to every single shopkeeper, pan store. And there's no, you know, modern retail there, right? Yeah. Most of it is Kirana stores. So, selling oil and popcorn for one year was a fun experience. Oh, wow. Well, I, I didn't know that you had also... Like, I started school in Shillong, actually. Oh, I nice. up from Gauhati. Yeah. yeah. My Afro school, Shillong. 
So yeah, I know that part. Like I used to speak Khasi for a while, oh, nice. but I because I grew up there. Now I don't. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful part of the world. Yes. So you, you're in Guwahati now. You've had some experience uh, like off again FMCG. Yes. Uh, how did you make your way to Dunzo from there? So Dunzo was I, I think many years after that. It was almost like seven years after that. So in between uh, from T, uh, from Agrotech Foods, I moved to TVS Motors. I joined there as assistant brand manager, managing mm. Star City and Sport. And then from there, grew on to becoming a brand manager, had one of my most successful stints there and then moved to Arvind Brands for a short mm. period uh, that didn't work out. So moved to Sab Miller, managed Hayward 5000 mm. there, went through the merger with AB InBev yeah. or TakeOver and then I decided, you know, I had done enough of traditional uh, legacy brands and all of that and I felt that at that time or 2014 um, I felt there was obviously something happening in the world yes. of tech it was also you know because I, most of my work was you know around traditional channels which is television IPL campaigns on ground print media a lot of newspaper advertising and I wanted to do a lot more on social media digital that's something that I was personally interested in and um, though even in my brands I tried to do some content work you, as a mass brand you can't really do this so then I decided you know it's time for me to move into consumer mm. tech and mm. then looked at multiple companies Zomato was something that was you know flying like a rocket at that time yeah. Swiggy had just launched around that time and then somebody who had also worked in alcohol had joined Zomato for their subscription product which was not launched then I think it had a different name also eventually it was mm. called Zomato Gold yeah, that was a chance that sort of changed my life ever since then. So worked in Zomato for a little more than a year. Mm. Worked on Zomato Gold from, you know, budgets of 60, 70 crores that I had, like I had zero budgets. Yeah. Like my marketing channels were push notifications, yeah. emailers, banners. Um, right. So it was a complete new worldview change. And that was fun. Uh, working at Zomato is a privilege, honestly, because I think there are very few startups that run at that speed and mm. efficiency like and it was a time of great campaigns at Zomato, if I remember really well. Yes, yeah. great and controversial campaigns. Yes. I remember when I joined around May or June, within a month, there was a whole MCBC yes. uh, holding that got controversial. Uh, I remember, I specifically remember Suhail Seth outraging. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked that, you know, someone like Suhail Seth, who's a marketer yeah. himself, who's had multiple other issues, he's outraging against yeah. and talking about, you know, feminism and all that. So I think seeing that campaign blow out of proportion and then the company taking, I remember very clearly, like it was 11 o'clock, Suhail said it's tweeted, well, I was outraging against Suhail said and that two, <laughs> the companies decided to take down the holdings, right? Mm. So I think just a lot of learning at that time as yeah. well. But uh, yeah. This particular point was actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, this particular point was where I think Indian digital advertising and digital marketing was coming of age in a yes, certain way. Yes. I think all of us, like I was also, I was at Freshworks at this time and I was watching, like I, was, I wasn't very far. I was only like uh, 200, 300 kilometers down south in Chennai. So we were watching and I also thought for the first time that we were in a place where advertising was generating conversation yeah. that wasn't happening before. Yes. Like we would only say, hey, we do like this ad, we don't like this ad, like it was not the point of what the advertising meant. Uh, for the first time, we are talking about that. And I specifically remember that Zomato is like a core part of it. A, a huge bunch of the people who worked there went on to do incredible things. You were part of that team. Yeah? Absolutely. And how is the churn like? You know, you're, to- you're talking incredibly creative people in a time of great churn, in a time of great like intellectual churn. Like how is that? Um, it was a great experience because for me, what by 2015, 
I think Zomato had already established itself as sort of the you know leader in creating social media virality, mm. Mm. all of that, right? And even the individual people in the team, Akshar Pata, Shakti Shetty, Pranav Sapra, Nirikul Pallavi, like all of these people were celebrities, like mm, they were influencers of their own kind. And to see them work, like you know, sit in the same office, look at them. you know not having this sort of corporate behavior of saying you know mm. we should have like this sort of like i remember asking the marketing head at that time pramod rao prao mm. we call him is there like a positioning document that you have for zomato and he said no and imagine right like this is mm. one of the strongest brands in the country mm. and they don't have anything beyond like three slide deck on mm. brand but they're executing it whereas mm. i've come i'm coming from sab miller tvs which have like literature matlab yeah, yeah. books and books about what the brand positioning tone of voice brand guidelines are then i'm realizing that hey one is not you know mm. it's not causation like you know you just because you have a lot of research documents it doesn't mean you build great brands and i realized hey these guys are just you know creating content because they have clear strong understanding of consumer trends mm. media mm. so that was an interesting experience and learned a lot from there because zomato gold we were managing for portugal and uae right and portugal is obviously a european audience uae matlab it's mostly indian pakistanis and bangladeshi audience at the same time we're trying to you know attract the white expats in dubai so very very different sort of a experience of understanding who the consumer is but again i think the only thing i used to every time i used to feel low or feeling uh, like an imposter syndrome i would just try to understand who the consumer is mm. right and that would just help me do my work better otherwise you can get very carried away with noise pressure uh, stress and all of that just want to underline that point about you know execution yeah very nice like i think if there's anything people can take away from you know this episode i think i hope it's that like i like i it's not like you shouldn't have uh, set positioning or have very clear right like i am working on the brand book yeah for atomic work at this point and i'm struggling with it like i'm trying to figure out how what's the best way to have it so that as the brand grows i'll do something with it and like everybody is able to use it uh, with clarity and yeah. coherence like however it's not like the end of it all i can't stop and say i'm going to do the brand book for like 3 months then only i'll come next year yeah. like you have to you, know, you have to keep doing things i guess sort of the brand will define itself along yes. the way No, I think one of the things I learned in uh, Zomato, and specifically from, I think from Dipinder, right? Because he was product brand and mm-hmm. CEO, right? Everything he he was he had a very strong understanding of it. And mm-hmm. what I realized that he has changed the logo of Zomato, I think six or seven times mm-hmm. in uh, at that time by around seven eight years, which is against what marketing principles mm-hmm. are, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like you can keep changing, you can as but your what you do is what matters rather than your brand guidelines your tone of voice your brand book and all of that so yeah those are the interesting learnings that i had which yeah, is opposite to yeah um, yeah absolutely brilliant brilliant this this is a great answer done so so yeah i think i was looking to do something similar to what i had done in zomato mm. i was looking to move back to bangalore i was living in gurgaon at that mm. time and one of my friends was working in danzo they had, i had heard about danzo i actually had not used a product mm-hmm. by them and uh, they told me that hey there's a opportunity here i wasn't sure because i was already having a conversation with au i remember that mm-hmm. nice and pay was a big brand yes then i had a word with kabir uh, biswas the founder and ceo and it was one of the most honest conversations i had right and i realized at that time that it's important for me to work with founders who get brand mm. and who understand the value of brand 
and get content right and kabir seemed to sort of tick off all these three boxes and you know we had like a lot of chats about how brands are unnecessarily consistent or you know like just taking themselves too seriously mm. and like he could have named his brand bookmychoto.com mm. or you know something very very simple straightforward mm. that you know consumers will understand but he named it dunzo right like he didn't and even the dipinder right he, he chose a name like zomato mm. or others so i really like this him as a person and i think when i spoke to the other founders each of them it was a very interesting conversation i spoke to other leaders in the organization and of course i think at that time also danzo had this cult following yeah like the people had this feeling that i'm the only guy who's using danzo yeah. i should tell my friends about it yeah, yeah, yeah. so and it felt like a interesting place to be mm. and uh, join danzo mm, and like uh, you, you were building out the entire team from scratch right like it was very early no so it was i think Three, three and a half years since they had they had existed, there was already somebody managing brand. He was the uh, head of design. Uh, his name was Munus, and there was a small team of around four or five people: uh, copywriters, videographers, illustrators. And I joined then. And just like in any organization, when you you're the head of a team, and there's already an existing head of the team, there's going to be clashes. So, uh, Munus and I joke about it today. We're really like. close friends yeah, yeah, yeah. but we hated each other when we <laughs> i think it was 6 months of absolute hell because mm. you know when you join in you have your own sort of set ideas yes, of how yes, you think yes. the brand should go and he was a creative person you know he felt like you know he had a clear understanding of where the brand should be in terms of design language tonality i wanted to replicate what zomato is and i think it took a long time for the team to settle in and once we did once we had that you know trust with each other saying hey we both want the same thing and he had trust in what i was trying to do with research or consumers uh, i had faith in what he had with respect to design design language and all of that i think from then on we just took off like a rocket hey lovely this this is also a great insight i think one thing that a lot of people in like mid senior positions don't get immediately including me didn't get at least for my sake is that sometimes friction is uh, very productive at least if i have this conversation for example if you and i have like same kind of roles in a similar kind of organization and we are strong at certain things um the friction that we have like hey what are you doing what can we do no i think this is a great idea no i think we should tweak it this way i think we'll at least figure out what we don't want to do yes and because of that i think generally the work i have seen usually tends to get better yes. um in saas organizations at least it's simpler in the sense that slightly simpler because uh, like i've said this before marketing and sales has to have a certain yes. amount of friction yes i am not saying that you should be fighting i'm saying that hey what have you done here's x why hasn't this been done and uh, come back from sales saying that hey sir this is great but you didn't give me x yes you're pushing each other to be better and i think that healthy amount of friction is always very very productive uh, i joke about it now as well but when i was at uh, wingify my head of sales uh, sanjay he's in london now he lives in london like we were loggerheads every day in shouting matches yeah. and then my ceo uh, and founder at uh, founder of ingefe paris he would always surprise because we shouting at each other and suddenly he'd come down and we'd be eating vada pav together and be like yeah. what are you guys doing and be like that's there yeah. like it's the friction is necessary and i think after we understood that we actually enjoyed that yes it was almost like jugalbandi like we had this back and forth and this is a great point like however once the trust is established and it's it's very clear that this is what we both want to do together how do you go about because it's creative right and i think that one way to say that is that a brand is subjective a brand yes. is never objective like i think yeah. you will agree with me yeah. that yeah. um how did you guys go about building it 
So I think one that you mentioned is trust and respect, right? Because if that isn't there, then it's always going to be, you know, just noise, right? It's just going to be fights and disagreements and no respect there. Versus the complete opposite where we are just all the time friendly, having chai together. That goes nowhere. I, I think it's between the two extremes, you need to find the sweet spot. And I think once we found that trust and respect and we agreed that this is what, this is the path or the destination that we want to get to, Right. The path is all about just setting processes in place. And I th- realized that early on that that is my only job. Like I'm not writing mm. copy. I'm not designing. I'm not making the film. I'm not writing emails. My only job is to make sure that I'm feeding as many ideas in the right direction to the team. Also being the gatekeeper and saying, hey, this is not okay for us to do. This is not on brand. This is not what the consumer wants. Mm. And looking at data. Right? Making this into a process. Like mm. weekly process. Looking at things. Understanding, hey, these are the kind of work that the others are doing. Uh, this is what we have done. This is what numbers are looking like. Like before that, I don't think anybody looked at numbers. Mm. There was no creative person. Mm. Mm. No, no, agreed. Creative. I don't want to either, right. but I have to. Yeah. But you have to. Yeah. I think it just tells us what people are uh, engaging with, Absolutely. so to speak. Right? And then just setting those processes in and then constantly trying to aim for the stars. I, I think that's something that we tried early on, right? which mm. is to genuinely break out of the clutter. Because I see a lot of things even today trying to just toe the line and do mm. very basic, normal, safe communication or safe brand uh, work. But that has no impact on anybody's mm. life, right? It's about trying new things in innovation, being absolutely creative. Like Creative means that you're doing something which mm. people haven't seen before, right? Mm. And then hiring right people. I think that is also a good step that we took hiring couple of people just made a huge difference in our yeah. work we've spoken about you know working with Vaidehi yes yes uh, I have a huge fan yeah. yeah so I think just working with people who understand the medium understand consumers mm. that made a huge change in our work okay I'm going to ask you two questions yes one is about processes yes. uh, but I also want to talk about like uh, you know creatives and managing them let's talk about structure like yes let's go there first like sorry how did you structure the team like how did the team look like when you say gatekeeper of like the brand, what did it look like? I'm, I'm really interested because I'm really interested in how things get out and who says, hey, this is great. We'll go with, we'll go live with this now. How did the structure look like? So the structure was basically like an in-house brand team. So it was like an in-house agency that would do all uh, touch points with us, email, social media, all of it, right? And they rolled up to me. So I was the gatekeeper with regard to the content that is going out. Mm. But eventually, like in the initial days, even Kabir or, you know, even the head of PR and mm. Legal, everybody gets involved because yeah, they want to be safe and so on, right? And this is a system that I've seen in alcohol industry, mm. where every single creative runs through an internal committee because alcohol is you know seen as a very risky business in India, sure. right? There are multiple rules and regulations. Sure. So, and there I had learned how to you know bypass, manage, you know, coddle all of these internal stakeholders, and that was one process, right? You know, we're just trying to make sure that getting all the internal stakeholders buy-in, but at the same time, not make, making sure that there's not too much of feedback because anybody who show an ad to people yes. gets feedback, you know, you should do this. Everybody do thinks they know advertising, yes. Exactly, right? So just managing that those people and protecting the team from the sort of unnecessary feedback and all of that was my job at that time. Mm. And eventually, I think the processes that we set in was one, doing a lot of unconventional things, right? You know, trying to have one meeting a week where we would not discuss work. We would just talk about our favorite musician, favorite you know movie, how Mutat movie was made, what do people read, you know, somebody talked about mango and manga and so on and so forth, right? I think creative people are 
wired differently mm. right and it's important to do those different mm. things i remember i tried doing the same thing in sabmilan which is like this large 400 people organization mm-hmm. people used to look down upon it like you know how are you spending one hour in the office time watching a movie or doing a quiz and all of that in danjo it was encouraged so i think that sort of a process to do non cooperative things is very important to manage creative people very nice actually i was about, i was actually going to lead to this question uh, but you already answered it creative people need different kinds of management like yes. you can't hire somebody and say that hey you are a creative and uh, i was actually doing a podcast uh, with sidhu ponappa yep yep uh, this is for like atomic work and he had this very i loved it and he was saying like you can't switch on creativity yes. you can't be like hello come to work at 9 you know you switch your creative cells on write some ads and you can go home at 5 and i had never actually articulated that before i was stunned i was like oh this is nice like this is the way it should be put yes. because even today like i struggle with it because i come to work and i find that i'm blank now like i have a job like i have to manage my team like you know i have to set the strategy i have to talk to my boss as you yes. did about hey is this the correct way to do this i have a plan this is the plan we're going to go with do you agree do you disagree do you disagree and commit all of that that's a part of the job that's almost administrative almost yes. clerical it's not very creative once you get down to the weeds it becomes very creative suddenly you can't do it like it's yes. not after 3 meetings at like 9 am 10 am and 11 am you can't switch on after lunch at 1 am and start writing yes i've found it very difficult to actually sometimes explain to people that like this person that you want to produce this amount of the or this kind of work that they are capable of producing yes needs a holiday yes at this point that i'm not going to talk to them for two days let them be how did you have those conversations it is fairly easy i think you know in nanzo there was quite a bit of free hand but the question is about doing it mm. what i realize that lot of other team leaders or even other companies or in the same company don't necessarily do it right mm. and i think whether it's creative team or, or not a creative team you need to build high level of camaraderie in the team sure. like i like lot of people you know talk about these friday lunches as a you know mandatory thing that the boss does but it's extremely important yeah, for the yeah, team to yeah, go agree. out of the office go on vacations you know bond with the team and have that trust thing hey this person is someone that i can actually have a honest conversation about it doesn't necessarily happen in rest of the organizations as well but i think especially in a creative team it's very very important ideally it should happen in all teams yes. but uh, you need to have that sort of personal bonding as well yeah that's a great point the second question i had was about productizing creativity like yeah. uh, we spoke about like the structure yes and managing creativity and now we are managing also creative people and now like this is a question we sp- we were speaking about this before i hit record today yeah your success and like well documented success at danzo was not the success of a single creative or yes. a creative or hey this these things they did was very cool yes. it was also that and this is at least from a marketer standpoint because this is what we spoke about when i was meeting yeah. other marketers it was happening day after day yes. week after week you had productized creative ad making in yes. a certain way copy like you know the copy was always to the point always great every week there would be at least two times when you'd pick up something done so i done like this is so cool we should have done this now how did you make that possible because now we've just spoken about how creative people need time yes but creative people as you say also need to produce yes as you just said and i agree so how did how did you bring that balance along so one is use storytelling itself to do this right which is that not external storytelling right so we had this thing that munz had created where he realized that certain creatives need to be very tactical buy one get one free mm. 50% off whatever simple mm. very very straightforward certain creatives need to be emotional mm. right they need to sort of look 
really creative they need to be uh, very well detailed and all of that and we just called this with certain names one we called it a tactical design approach so tda the other was called an artistically refined approach so ara right and mm. we would say hey this creative that we working on today is a tda approach like we can't get creative about it this is very very tactical this on the other hand with some working something from mothers day friendship day whatever mm. it is is an ara project this is going to be absolutely beautiful and all of that this kind of storytelling no really helped remove a lot of these blockers like nice. we are very clear saying hey this is what we are working on nice. this is what we are doing nice. right so every piece of work that we looked at from from this lens and it is just everything is internal storytelling right like you try to you know highlight some someone's work and say that hey this person has done it so you creating mm. that for more mm. so all of these small little things help you know productize it the other thing is that i think from beginning we were very very clear uh, similar sort of storytelling of you know I think I mentioned this earlier that you know our current user is someone like a Deepika who's you know living in HSR, works at a startup as a freelance illustrator. Our next set of users are going to be Manjunath who are living in Malaysia mm. who probably run a you know hardware store mm. and so on. This sort of storytelling also helped, right? Like mm. you're just mm. building mm. these archetypes, and then suddenly people understand, hey, this is for Manjunath. I need to think like that. Lovely. This is for Deepika. I need to think a little more creatively and maybe in English and not in Kannada and so on and so forth. I think these kind of tools help communicate this at an at scale, so that even if a UX designer is working on a banner, he thinks of you know Manjunath or Deepika mm. or understands that this TDA is there. So yeah, this kind of storytelling really helps productize it. This is very interesting. I think what I like about it also is that sometimes we get too precious about an ad and copy and all of that. Marketers will understand this immediately. Like uh, what I'm talking about, we'll let know. I need this space to like you know sit down and write. I'm not in that yes. mood. Why it's not happening? and sometimes when you say no this is not that kind of an ad we just need to do the offer please please get to yes. it it removes the blocker also yes. from your head it's not like sometimes you need that blocker to say that hey i'm doing important work yes. but when you remove that blocker you sometimes turn open the tap yes. right that's brilliant i i, I really liked it Let, let's talk about your uh, you know what you're doing now and like you know violated is it done so and what you're doing now because like i really want to talk about that a bit yes So it's been a year since I've left Danzo. Mm-hmm. I've uh, spent four years there, and now I think what I have learned with my experience at Zomato and Danzo, and learned what not to do in my, uh, other companies, and just sort of bring together. I've been trying to do this at scale, which is I do three things: I teach, I consult, and I quiz. I teach because I think it's the best way for other people to realize how to yeah. do marketing better. Yeah. So a lot of these fundamental concepts that I've you know learned and trying to impart it to everyone else. With consulting, just working with different categories, so my learning improves uh, because I think as a marketer you need to constantly keep yeah. learning, yeah. right? I think I've seen a lot of my earlier bosses who believe that you know I don't need to learn anymore. I need to you know impart knowledge mm-hmm. and so on. They die uh, like their career sort of you know yeah, fades uh, out uh, fades out very quickly. So for me, it's important to just keep learning, which is why consulting I do uh, on the side. And then my biggest passion is right now creating like a content studio in the space of quizzing and social media. Mm-hmm. It's called India Wants to Know. So quizzing is something that I was always very passionate about. Yeah, I wanted to make it a lot more inclusive and a lot more accessible and beyond the KBCs of the world. So this is a form of infotainment content that exists in the UK and parts of Europe called panel quizzing, mm-hmm. where comedians, celebrities sort of discuss history, you know, trivia from science and all of this. and it hasn't been done in india as much so i've been doing this on ground so i've been doing live quiz shows for like now 13 14 years and the last 3 years been trying to do a lot more produce quiz shows or trying to build ips with otts but yeah that's what i do right now uh, let's talk about more about the yeah. uh, you know the quizzing part of it because that's 
because I see it. Uh, I mean, I mean, I do follow you on Twitter, so I see what's happening with the quizzes and so on. Um, when did you get started on it? Like, what was the? So I started on it when I was in Zomato mm-hmm. because I was in Delhi. I was bored out of my wits. There was nothing much to do there in Gurgaon, and I actually remember writing a small WhatsApp message to my friends and saying, "Hey, I want to make a quiz show just to prove that this can be done in India." And then when I came to Bangalore, joined Danzo, I you know put together a bunch of people who were influencers, comedians. writers and we shot like 6 7 episodes of a quiz show and then it that took off very well a lot of people loved the vibe the sort of irreverent sense of humor again it was it wasn't like you know what is the capital of bihar kind of question it was about yeah, sure. you know very relatable shole ddlj but deep storytelling and this is the idea that i wanted to bring about and uh, it got a very good response in the first year we sold the first season to rana da gopati's channel south pay and with him we've been building like multiple ips for families for sports uh, for history and all of this and that got me excited and with danzo i think the success that i tasted told me that hey content is the new play right mm. like building your own channel yes. uh, you know building your own community keeping them engaged and with pandemic i think it just blew out of proportion i remember when janta curfew happened that was the first online quiz we did and the response we got like you know getting celebrities as panelists people are just participating from different parts of the world with children mm-hmm. uh, partners uh, it became like almost like a sunday 4 o'clock show that we were watching and that gave me a good kick and i felt there's a huge opportunity here and for me i think what i was doing in marketing and what i'm doing at india on snow is very similar it's building content and understanding who your consumer is and then gaming the system at least that's the hope we've been able to try different things on social media on that lovely and let's talk about first india wants to know where where you taking it so for me right now the goal has always been to like make a quiz show that has never been seen before in india mm-hmm. so for the last one year i've been pitching to otts lovely. channels brands i think coming from startup you expect things to like happen, happen quickly. quickly i know i know this doesn't happen yeah. uh, this is like you know keep knocking on many doors and keep pitching but that is the ultimate aim but the interim trying to build like a social media channel so india wants to know the large focus is to build like a content studio that will do a lot of infotainment content that i think isn't at great quality today uh, infotainment content is largely like either documentaries or very yes. sort of academic uh, view or it is mostly food blogging and travel blogs right so what we are trying to do is you know uh, create like a huge supply base of research and content because that's what's lacking and then Created in a way that is engaging a little more. So Instagram is a lot more Gen Z focused. Mm-hmm. Twitter is a lot more millennial and you know older audiences. But what we see interestingly is that there's a mix of right wingers, so to speak, as well as people on the liberal yeah. side. And I think that's a sweet spot to be because for me the larger vision is that can we make Indians smarter and kinder through facts, mm-hmm. right? Like if you if I know that he, you know this is sort of the origins of BJP or you know where they started from, it makes me a little more empathetic towards them rather than all of us being at loggerheads all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. So for me, knowledge is that sort of unifier, and uh, at least that's the vision of it. Yeah. Beautiful, like making India smarter and kinder. I can get behind that. This is great, and like what what's next for Sagination Marketing? marketing right now just like i said right now consulting and teaching yeah. but what i've been trying to do is look at things where i can scale this up how can i reach more and more mid to senior level marketers 
help them sort of improve their processes, teams, uh, metrics and all of that. So thinking of, you know, either creating uh, a newsletter or a podcast, but those are things uh, Lovely. longer term. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure people yeah. would be like really interested in that. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I have like one last question. This yes. is, I ask this of everybody. Tell me uh, an ad you have loved and why. Like, and I, and I want you to like sort of go back a little bit. Like remember all the ads that you've like also made in your case, but also ads that you've seen with your childhood and until now, anything that you remember for me? I think there are many uh, that come to mind, right? Like I think for me, campaigns that go beyond just the product, right? For me, like in my, and I think it's all to different age uh, or life stages, right? I remember in college when I was in Christ College, Bajaj had just launched Pulsar. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. the entire campaign was this idea of you know two nurses looking at babies and saying, "This is a boy." It's very excitedly, and the product comes in at the end yeah. window, right, where it says, "Definitely, male. definitely male." Right, I think that was a huge change in Indian advertising, where you know uh, it wasn't about the product; it was largely about what people perceive about mm-hmm. the product, right, and. Automobile is a category that is dumbed down to the extent where, you know, best in class mileage, best in class performance is like repeated across, right? Yeah, right from yeah. Maruti to uh, the premium cars and all of this, right? So for me, I think Bajaj Pulsar was a huge moment. I think in the recent years, uh, what Craig was able to do mm. has really sh- shaken up the advertising world. Absolutely. Right. And uh, if you look at Tanmay Bhatt's uh, other work, uh, from my favorite campaign in the last four, five years is uh, this campaign that he did for small case. Uh, mm. I don't know if you've seen it. It's this small case is an investment app yep. that allows yep. you to put money in different uh, yeah. industries. But the campaign is about how parents in tier two towns or metros, person from a place in UP, their mindset and their behavior is changing because of mm. investment, right? Like mm. parents are saying, yeah, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I think that's a fabulous yeah. campaign, like insight based campaign that, you know, uh, because of investment uh, uh, craze, people's behavior is going to change. People like, you know, older people are going to be a lot more smarter mm. about which categories are growing. Uh, I thought like very rarely do I see uh, brands spending a lot of time on finding that insight. So for me, small case has been one of the best campaigns. Apart from that, like I said, I think uh, Bajaj and uh, Cred are like two markers. Lovely. Thank you for that. I, I also think that a couple of these, I also think we spoke about a few campaigns uh, this this part, this entire episode was like a run through of like yes. some old ads as well. So I'm very glad that you were on. Sai, like where can people find you? Uh, mostly on Twitter, yeah. and uh, you can also follow India Wants to Know yes. uh, Quiz. Uh, yes. That I'm the one who manages it. So you can either reach out through that or through Sai underscore Ganesh on Twitter. Thank you so much, Sai, for coming Thank on. Thank you, Sai. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Supermarketers. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Before I let you go, please do help the podcast reach more people by sharing it and rating us on your favorite podcast app. If you have suggestions for future guests on the show or folks you'd like me to speak to, feel free to reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn or email me. That's Krishnan at Outlook.com. And yes, do remember to subscribe. Supermarketers is brought to you by Social Pilot and created and hosted by me, Sairam Krishnan. Thank you so much for listening.